Welcome in, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Creative Catalyst podcast, a show that focuses on uh, the creative process for life, business, and your world. My name is Rudolph Korv, a creative designer based out of the Pacific Northwest. Today's episode is episode number two, titled, May the Force Be With You. Uh, today, we'll be interviewing Jared Lyman, social media Jedi slash communication specialist for Clackamas County, Oregon. All right, thanks for tuning in. It is episode number two of the Creative Catalyst podcast. I am here with Jared Lyman. Jared, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing great. It's good to see you. Awesome. Yeah, so Jared is the communication specialist at Clackamas County, Oregon, uh, and I gave him the term uh, social media Jedi because all the things that I see him doing on social media and really invading this the space of Oregon is um, some really cool things over there in Clackamas County and really the world. So, uh, Jared, let's talk a little bit about what you do, who you are, uh, anything about yourself that's interesting to the public, and then uh, we can dive into What's going on over there in Clackamas County? Well, first off, I, I do love that uh, social media Jedi title. I think I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pitch my boss and see if I can add that to my business card. Sure. I've been looking for something a little bit more, you know, fun than senior communications specialist. You know, like the government speak. A little stuffy. Yeah, it, it it does make sense. People go, huh? But uh, communications or uh, social media Jedi, people know exactly. What <laughs> That's that right. Don't mention the Jedi Master. So. <laughs> Um, and I think it's important to note for your listeners that you and I go way back, yes. probably further back than like we care to admit at this point. Probably. I, I still think the nineties are like 10 years ago. It is. Yes. But we've known each other, each other since I think freshman year in high school. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, last episode of the podcast kind of gave a little bit of information about who I am and where I'm from. And I mentioned that I was in Lake Havasu, Arizona, which is the hottest city yes, in the country. Literally. It's, it's not a yeah, hyperbole. It's not the hottest place because the hottest place, I guess, is Death Valley. Yeah. But the hottest city, livable place, I think it was, they said 130, I think. And we were there. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was I, I remember I was playing tennis that day, that mm -hmm. morning. It was 128 official and well yeah. over 130 in a lot of people's houses. Yeah. And I remember, I remember it clearly because the electricity <laughs> went out in the town. <laughs> That's right. I, I don't know if you remember that. But the electricity went out in the town and, oh, yeah, not, not a good thing. But anyways, yeah, so um, Jared lives in uh, Clackamas County, which is in the Portland area of Oregon. Uh, and I'm in Eugene, Oregon. And I saw that he was down for a conference uh, on his awesome Jedi social media <laughs> channel. And I, I asked him to come in and say, hey, man, why don't you come in and talk a little bit about what you do? Um, you know, this whole idea of this podcast is how to creatively impact the world uh, through business and your life. So, um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, so you are the communications specialist at Cl Ca uh, Clackamas County. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, we, um, we're, we're the Clackamas County Tourism and Cultural Affairs, another, you know, government speak mm -hmm. term. What we're branded at is uh, Oregon's Mount Hood Territory. Because uh, Clackamas County encompasses the western half of Mount Hood, all the way down to a lot of the suburbs of Portland, and even a tiny little bit of Portland, but uh, towns like you know Happy Valley, Clackamas, um, Westland, Lake Oswego, Oregon City, which which is the county seat, and then down to even portions of the Willamette Valley with uh, you know Malala and Canby and, and a little part of Woodburn with like the Wooden Shoe Tulip Festival, mm -hmm. and like back up to Estacada and whatnot. So we have this really amazing, this wonderful diversity of attractions there. And if anybody's familiar with how Oregon markets tourism, there's the seven regions, but we're part of three. We're part of 
the Mount Hood, Columbia River Gorge region were part of the greater Portland region and the Willamette Valley. Mm-hmm. So we've got everything from, you know, the, the skiing and the snow sports on Mount Hood with, you know, the, the longest ski season in North America, Timberline Lodge, the largest night skiing area in uh, Ski Bowl um, during the winter. During summer, you know, they've got all the activities there at Ski Bowl, you know, some amazing whitewater rafting, the best rapids within just like the little bit of Portland. Um, you know, then to a lot of the wineries from that Willamette Valley is known for, we have a lot of those in our area. And if you love Pinot Noir, you definitely want to come out there because nice. we have some amazing awesome. Pinot Noirs and, and some other great wineries as well. Uh, Flower Festival, some great city stuff. So, I mean, we have this wonderful diversity of attractions that we get to promote. And that's what I get to talk about every day. So it, I'm, I consider myself pretty lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, coming out to Oregon here, it's it was a definite, not just a culture shock, but just... <laughs> Um, just the the scenery is completely different. Going back to Arizona, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think I took it for granted because I lived there my yeah. whole life. But but coming here, it's always home. It's always beautiful. I don't mind the rain. It rains all the time, and I don't mind it so much. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, your photographer too. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But you mentioned that uh, it's a little bit of a bummer when your photographer uh, when it rains all the time. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're one of those people who's like really good at doing the close up stuff, like the macro stuff, or you know. Some, some types of scenery like that. There's some great opportunities. You know, me personally, I focus more on, you know, landscape, the big view, the big picture. I guess it's kind of a good mirror for my life because I've never been good at the little details. I just mm-hmm. look at the big picture and then when it gets to the details, I'll let somebody else look at that and I do the fun <laughs> stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember when I was moving up here years ago, a lot of people, probably people you knew to, as well, they're like, you know, it rains a lot there. I'm like, yeah, that's why it's green. It kind of <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. And, and it's to the point where like, you know, you know, me too. I, I still, when I go back home, you know, I do admire the beauty of the desert, but there's something about the green here and, and how lush it is that if I get like east of the Cascades, I'm like, eh. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. I miss. I miss my home. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's dive in a little bit about like what does it look like being the communications specialist, and how are what, how are some of the ways that you're creatively uh, doing something uh, different to reach an audience. And, and let me let me expound a little bit on that. Um, last time, the last episode was uh, three ways, finding three ways to stand out from the competition. So in business, you have competitors in life. Uh, how are three ways you're standing out in your maybe your sphere of influence? So in this realm of, of government and advertising uh, inside of that, what what things are you doing creatively that might be different than another county or another uh, type of agency that's doing those things? Well, you know, one of the things that, that you talk about, you know, standing out from your competitors and one of the things that is inherent in terms of marketing is you're not just competing with other destinations. You're competing for that person's disposable income. So not only are they competing with other destinations, but they're like, should I go on this trip or should I buy this new TV or should I go on vacation? Or, you know, the fridge is making funny sounds. Kind of sounds like the TARDIS. I speak from experience. That's what mine sounds like right now. Um, Should I buy a new fridge? You know, every time I hear this, I'm like, is the doctor? Oh, no, just the fridge is acting up. Um, But so it's really important that you stand out above that clutter. And then we were talking before, you know, the average American sees like, what, 10,000 advertising pieces a day. Yeah, that's amazing to me. Yeah. That was something that I was going to bring up. He, uh, so Jared mentioned that so you, uh, an average person sees 10,000 marketing messages. That's a lot. It is. And, you know, even if you cut it in half just for sake of, you know, conservative estimates, 5,000 messages you see a day between TV commercials, radio commercials, just posts on, on social media that mm-hmm. are ads or just branded posts like what we do. But the question is, and I ask you, and then even your listeners to think about this, how many do you remember? 
mm-hmm. one, two, maybe. Mm-hmm. So it is really difficult to stand out from that clutter. You know, one of the things in Mount Hood territory that we're lucky is we have this really awesome icon in the mountain, you know, in Mount Hood. And amazing imagery is one of those things that always catches somebody's eye. And, you know, as they're scrolling through, you know, Facebook or Instagram or something, you know, that that awesome photo pops up. It does inspire them to stop mm-hmm. and, and take a look. And we're really lucky that we have that icon and a very amazing community of photographers who let us share their content. And because of that, it lets us capture that person's attention and, and, and get the get the fan base. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that, it's kind of, it's kind of like. You know, in marketing, they talk about the back of the old day, there'd be billboards that would say, sex. Okay, now that we have your attention. Sure, right. For us, it's like, big, pretty mountain. Okay, now that we have your attention, yeah. let's check out all the other stuff that we have. And so that's what we're trying to do. But, you know, we share the, this amazing imagery. And then every few posts, like, okay, now here's the actual, like, message. You know, go check this out or go go do this. So we're hitting them with content that is, for all intents and purposes, it is marketing but it doesn't feel like marketing. Yeah, let me let me kind of just piggyback of what you're saying there. So um, when I when I look at like and it's anybody's Facebook feed or social media feed, specifically Facebook that I'm talking about right now, that um, Facebook is is giving you the the viewer what you want to see. Okay, I'm gonna say that. So oh, now I think we want. Well, I think we want to see. Yeah. <laughs> so what what I'm, what I want to say about that is is a lot of people's Facebook feeds, I want to say right now are filled full of a lot of like right to left political junk. Yeah. Right. And and I'm not going to get political or or even talking about like where I stand on that stuff. But all I know is that I know I'm being fed a bill of goods of what they think I want to see. I feel like I'm a strong enough person where I can make my own opinion (laughs) and stuff. But here I am looking at like garbage, 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 pretty mountain, (laughs) pretty mountain here. So uh, that's, I feel like what you're kind of saying about like um, what you might be saying about, the way that you're marketing and using yeah. your imagery to almost change the atmosphere of someone's Facebook feed because it's like all the junk that's on there uh, to something that's like, wow, that's that's something that's real. It's tangible and true, I guess you could say. Well, and, and hopefully and even beyond that, beyond the marketing you know, aspect where hopefully somebody would be inspired to, to visit uh, my region is – at the very least, maybe it'll just brighten their day a little bit because, sure. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you'd have to have like a really amazingly awesome customized feed to not get a little depressed scrolling through sometimes with everything that's going on out right. there. So, you know, maybe this little moment of beauty will make somebody smile a little bit and brighten their day a bit. Absolutely. So I wanted to push forward here because I thought you were going to say something else about your icon. So a few years <laughs> back, you had done this campaign, which is actually was a pretty, pretty amazing social media campaign. And you, you mentioned that you like something about your area is that you have this icon. And I thought you were going to say Sasquatch. <laughs> And you did it. You said did Mount Hood. Yes. But let's let's talk a little bit about that campaign that you uh, are doing. Well, Clackamas County actually has more documented Bigfoot sightings than any other county in Oregon. Um, and that, that reason yeah. reason number one right? to come visit. And that actually comes before marijuana was legalized, okay. so you can't use that as an excuse. Um, but there are you know more there. And my webmaster, who 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 had, has been with the county longer than me, he had been wanting to do something with Bigfoot for years. And as social media became a larger part of what we do at Mount Hood Territory, um, it went from like somebody who was that was part of their job to then they brought me on to kind of back that person up to then 
you know, when, at this stage of the game, when we did this campaign, I was doing social media full time. That, that was everything we focused on. Um, it gave us the freedom to play a little bit and, and have some fun. So we came up with what was called Win Bigfoot's Dream Day. <laughs> That's and, awesome. <laughs> and the, the premise was Bigfoot is finally coming out and saying, dude, I exist. Fuzzy pictures aside, I, I do exist. And the reason he was coming forward is because he was lonely. Got it. And so what we did is a series of That's videos. reality TV at its finest. Right? Yeah, I would I'd say. Um, better than a lot of the other stuff out there. A lot less trashy anyway. Um, although I never know what the dating scene. <laughs> um, but we wanted to show off you know, different things that Bigfoot said he would wanted to do had he somebody to share it with. And then um, people could check it out. They would enter to win. The, what was the date was, you know, a vacation amount of territory. And then they, um, you know, would also, you know, enter to win. We'd get to capture their email addresses and get to continue marketing. And the amazing thing on this is, at least for me right now, is like four years later, I think, um, of the, we still have, I think, two-thirds of the email addresses are still active email addresses on our list that we captured That's from this great. campaign. Yeah. And, I mean, if you do marketing, you know how quickly email addresses just are burned. Either, the, you know, yeah. they, they change them, they drop off or whatnot. Typically, so, I see it's, it's because they want something that you're offering. It might be like like a piece of data that you're yeah. offering and kind of dangling out in front. And then, um, you know, you get a couple emails to them and then then there's unsubscribes come. But yeah. two, two-thirds, you said. Yeah, two-thirds yeah, of, of the... Several hundred that we got are still on there active, opening enough that we haven't called them. Because that, that's another thing is you, you hear from a lot of marketers. This is a parenthetical thing, but you hear from a lot of marketers. It's like, well, we have 10,000 emails on our list. And they'll be like, all right, what's your open rate? Mm-hmm. And this is something that we stress all <laughs> right. the time. And we may end up like digressing here, but this is something that I stress in all the topics I, I speak at and everything is quality over quantity. Yeah, absolutely. I would mm-hmm. rather talk to 10 people who really want my message than a thousand who maybe one or two really care. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the email address, like we don't have that big of a list, but our open rate is well above industry standard. Um, our click through rate is well above industry standard because we're constantly calling out the ones that, you know, aren't engaging. Cause why would I pay for that? Mm-hmm. Just vanity numbers, vanity, vanity metrics suck. Yeah. And I think that goes the, the qual the quality issue really, goes back to why are you doing exactly. what you're doing uh, off the subject a little bit. I was, I, I heard this, what was it? A uh, interview with Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Okay. And uh, he was, he, he mentioned that he does, they don't sell 10% of the records that they used to sell. And then, uh, so I thought to myself, wow, that's like a lot, a lot of, that's a big cut in profit. I guess you could say they're a hardworking band. But then I saw, uh, this podcast, I think that was talking about the same subject and they were saying like, as a musician, would you rather have people buy your CD, put it on the shelf with this huge collection, or would you rather them be streaming it? You still get paid on the streaming, yeah. and, but you know, with the analytics that people are sitting there and enjoying it and listening to it and not just owning it and listening yeah. to it once and putting it away. So, uh, back to your marketing having it being a consistent amount of people that are engaging yeah. with your content instead of just, uh, I, Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's like heartbreaking. When I look at my email list and I see like, there's a handful of people that aren't opening. Yeah. It's like, why aren't they opening that email? Maybe they didn't see it. No, they saw it. It's just not something that, you know, is important to them. Well, you know, and it's one of those things in, in each one of these topics we could probably like spend an hour off mm-hmm. on each, but like, you know, when it comes to email marketing, we just um, did a, refresh of our template, which we've been using for a couple of years. Um, 
and it was it was in in this case our open rates jumped and our click rates actually were really solid even though this was a month where i knew the content wasn't going to be that compelling it's just one of those months where you know the the big stories aren't there there's some stuff that we can count on oh that's going to generate a bajillion clicks and there's sure. some they're like yeah this one's going to be a little light mm-hmm. this one actually performed very well with this new design so part of it you know keeping it fresh and then the other thing is mobile friendly yeah, and, and that's something that like I'm I'm still shocked that so many people don't do when they're designing something for the web or anything like that is you got to think mobile first mm-hmm. because nowadays just about everything is done on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, like Google our, dock it too as far as searchability if it's not mobile. exactly mm-hmm. exactly I mean with SEO and then even also we were having issues with spam tests because it wasn't as mobile friendly as it could have been mm-hmm. two years ago it was mobile friendly but with today's systems it wasn't. So we, you know, did that, pass all the spam tests just like that, no problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the numbers increased because it's mobile friendly. Right. I mean, what it's like, I don't know, Our on our website, our traffic is like getting to the point where it's like 80% mobile. So I don't know what you're seeing, but it's probably about that. It, yeah, I think it's it's probably like that for most people, yeah. honestly. Yeah, most people, which um, that's just something that's really important too, because if you, if you need, God, if, you, if your stuff isn't looking good, I don't remember the last time that I had to pinch a website, a website right. on my phone. But I'm telling you what, if it's a service and I have to pinch the website, they've lost my business. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and it, it's true. And, and and I laugh at that because, honestly, it's one of those things we talk about, you know, trying to get through the noise and, and so forth. But an entire industry, the web design industry, the entire industry has had to change how they work mm-hmm. because Americans, we won't do this. That's right. And for those who aren't watching the video, I just rotated my phone 90 degrees to the side. Yeah. As in the people, we won't do that. So an entire industry had to change how they work yeah. because that little motion was too much. As a videographer, me, it kills me that people are doing vertical. Yes. Like, oh God. Same thing. You know, I, I'm, and now this is probably going to, some of this is going to go on Instagram and Insta stories. So I'll, I'll this one's vertical cause we're both in the frame, but uh, I have to shrink it for, yeah. so there's extra steps involved and oh goodness, it's, well, this is but it is what it is. So and, and when you're watching the news and they're, and they're using footage they capture from somebody on the scene and it's like, they're holding the phone vertical. So on your TV, it looks terrible yeah. because it's like, oh God, turn your phone. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? But nowadays, with Instagram stories being so prevalent, it's something that we're doing a lot where I work. It's I, I find myself. It's like I I need to do two different formats yeah. because everything's out there is changing. You have to go where where the people are exactly. So that sounds like that. That's really cool. So you did the big the Bigfoot campaign and you got some traction on that. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears. You are also a photographer too. I've been watching your stuff on. Uh, Facebook and some of the social media stuff. Let's talk a little bit about that. Why, how did you get into it? Do you call yourself a professional photographer? It's always a tough thing, right? You know, like, I, I, yeah, I feel if I call myself a professional photographer, I just sound like I'm, I'm a schmuck or something, you know, highly inflating myself. I have sold things. So I guess technically that, yeah. that would qualify. That's how musicians do it. Yeah. If they've sold, if they've made money, then they're professionals. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, make money or actually like make profit because when you take into account the computers and the cameras and all that stuff. No, it's money. money. It's not profit. <laughs> it's money. <laughs> but I, I've been interested in photography for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I know, I mean, back in our high school days, you actually did some photography for the for the. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to, but I, I didn't have the skill set back then. And actually back then and younger. Before I was known, digital. I was, well, yeah, I was known for breaking cameras. Um, <laughs> nice. My mother had a really nice, you know, um, uh, mirror camera that I was not allowed to touch because all the other cheaper ones I had dropped and broken. Um, and then we, we still joke about that because now we've gotten to this point where I have, it, it's gone from a hobby to something that I do for work because, you know, a lot of the imagery we use is, is I have to go out and capture, but also for my personal, you know, ventures is 
I have, I look at some of the old stuff and I'm like, wow, God, I really was terrible. Right. And, and you see how it's changed. And, and my skills have developed because of very generous photographers who have shared their skills with me and taught me a lot. And I'm really thankful for, for them, for not hoarding that knowledge, but passing it mm -hmm. on because it has given me a creative outlet on something that I really enjoy doing. And <clears throat> I kind of liken it to, to fishing. If, if anybody out there is a, an, an angler is that feeling you get when you, when you reel in that big fish, mm -hmm. it's the same thing when you just captured a shot that you know is going to be awesome. And you just can't wait to get back to pull that off your camera and process that photo. It's that kind of that same feeling of, Oh, Hey, I got the big one. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an exhilarating thing. I, I, I have always, been into you know beautiful scenery but now i see it with a different eye because i'm always looking for that for that shot and um i, I always say i'm sunrise and sunset obsessed yeah and that's always the golden hours what they yeah. Call it, yeah and, and people are always you know it's like do you do weddings or do you no i don't shoot people people are annoying they talk they move they're, they're, i don't like them <laughs> a pretty sunset there's always gonna be a pretty sunset yeah, and yeah. i can just shoot it and you can i don't have to worry about you being in the way i, I want to do weddings so bad and i will uh but I've done a few and they came out fantastic. So I'm, I know I can do it, but the pressure of, yeah. of, of providing something to somebody's special day. Oh yeah. If you mess that up, boy, I mean, Dude, there's so much pressure. You are way braver than I, because it, they would have to pay me so much money to even consider yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd have to be upfront so I could buy the right. Well, lens. these are more, these were more freebies. And uh, oh, okay. so it's like, if I didn't mess up, it was like, ah, but they came out fantastic, which was awesome. great. Um, yeah. So anyways, the, the wedding thing, I heard some people work three months out of the year and that, that provides their income for the entire year. Is I doing can't weddings. imagine that. Isn't, that. isn't that amazing? The yeah. freedom that you can have in, in, in doing that is for, for a job. So. But that high stress in the, those three months. I mean, I mean, unless you know, you're no, yeah. know that, you know, I a funny story. There's this guy I watch online. We we're talking about YouTube videos. I don't know if you've ever seen him. His name is Peter McKinnon. Uh, you should look at his YouTube uh, channel. It's great. He's a, a videographer, top photographer. And he was telling the story about when he got into photography, he would take his camera, him and another guy, they worked in a camera shop. And I think, I don't even think they own the cameras. They get to try out all the cameras Oh, nice. and they would go to model homes and literally take photographs of like in the model homes without permission. They would just walk in and like take pictures <laughs> and they would put them on stock photography sites and they made like 10 grand in the oh year my God. of stock photography. Yeah. <laughs> So that's amazing. <laughs> that's pretty well. Right, I'm going to take a note here. Something right I know, right? You see, you see Jared in your model home. Oh. Yeah, he, he's okay. He's not a weird weirdo. Or All the lenses I could buy with that. <laughs> so you are selling your prints. His prints are amazing. I've seen oh, uh, a lot of uh, it's it's mostly nature yeah. and stuff. I've seen some like waterfall stuff and the Tulip Festival yeah. out in Woodburn. I, a lot of Mount Hood stuff. Uh, yeah, it's really great. Well, thank you. And I mean, yeah, because a lot of it is it's I'm going to capture something. A, I can use it for work, but then B, I can also use it for mm -hmm. more myself. And I'm, I'm lucky in that the, the views that work for where I work mm -hmm. are the kind of thing I like anyway. So it, it really does uh, benefit me, but it, it's a lot of fun. And I consider myself lucky. That's part of the, one of the things I get to do for my job. Mm -hmm. So for right now, you can see Jared's work on Facebook and uh, we'll put uh, his, uh, his official name in the notes. And so how, how do you spell your name, Jared? Yeah, it's uh, Jared Lyman Photography. And my name is J-A-R-R-O-D. It's a little bit of a weird spelling. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you search Jared Lyman, it'll it'll come up. And then on Instagram, it's just uh, Jared Lyman 2 because I signed up for Instagram 
before I had an iPhone and back when it was only for iPhones, but I reserved my name. And then by the time I, <laughs> nice. by the time the iPhone came, I had an iPhone, I forgot what the login was. So I had to do another one. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to close out this episode, but before I do, there's something that I do want to talk about. Uh, this podcast is about creativity in business and in life and, uh, really changing the world around you. Uh, Jared's part of this campaign, uh, that is for the leukemia and lymphoma society. And the campaign is called Man and Women of Oh and Woman of the Year campaign. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it, uh, Leukemia Lymphoma Society is is an amazing group. They're actually the second largest cancer nonprofit in the country, mm-hmm. and they're responsible. They've raised over a billion dollars for uh, treatment research. That's billion with a B. Yes, billion with a yeah, B. Wow, it's awesome. Um, for treatment uh, research, for patient support, um, copay support, travel mm-hmm. support for for treatments and whatnot. It's uh, an amazing organization, and I, I learned about them through uh, somebody who did this campaign a couple of years ago. She asked me to uh, take part, and I did some research and was really touched by what they do. Um, and, and, and my my angle is is the the kids that they help. Mm-hmm. They help people of all ages, but I, I have a, a soft spot for kids' causes, and I have spent a lot of time in children's hospitals with both of my kids. I mean, they're fine now. But it was serious at the time, but fortunately not cancers. But I saw firsthand the kids who were fighting cancer and seeing these children who should be, you know, the most serious thing they should be worrying about is passing a math test or something are in the fight for their lives and seeing them handle it with a bravery and a Mm -hmm. grace that is so inspiring. And then watching their parents who, you know, you can see them being strong for the kids, but you can see just beneath the surface, their hearts are broken to a million pieces. And no one prepares you for that. Kind yeah, of stuff. There's yeah. nothing that can prepare you for it. And no kid should have to be that brave. No, no parent should have to have that fear. And it, we're at a stage where there are treatments on the horizon, almost all of which have been funded by efforts from the leukemia lymphoma society that will end this mm-hmm. there, there, this is in our lifetime that we will see this happen. And I consider it an honor if I can be even a small part of that push. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, uh, running for man of the year, uh, on this campaign. Uh, and his, uh, campaign is for the leukemia and lymphoma society. And if you want to, uh, help out in any way or donate, there's a way for people to donate. So where, where would they go for that? Yeah. We're, we're team Mount hood cure. Um, because a lot of us were, you know, with the Mount hood territory, I have mm-hmm. a lot of people I work with. So you can go to mounthoodcure.com. It's M T hoodcure.com. Um, you, there's uh, links to donate there. There's information about a little bit more about what uh, LLS does and what the mission is. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm real excited that Jared's here uh, sharing with us. Uh, this episode is a little bit longer than the ones that are that are coming up on its way, but uh, there's a lot of information. It's like multi <laughs> multitask. I'm tapping him for all he's got while he's here. Uh, so closing out uh, today, let's uh, just maybe just to the people that are listening, any advice that you would have for someone looking uh, to creatively impact like their world, their sphere of influence. They don't have to be the biggest, you know, influencer on YouTube or, or on Facebook, but they might, you know, they have, they have, everyone has their place. Uh, what advice would you give people to as far? It could be about technology. It could be about mindset. It could be about whatever. I, I always tell people have fun and, and do your passion. Passion. It, it doesn't matter if it's sports or if it's marketing or anything. If, if you have passion, people will feel that they will, it will come through on the messaging and that will ring true. And, and, and if you're having, same thing if you're having fun. And that just creates a, a more 
authentic experience, more authentic message, and it will resonate better with the audience just because, kind of like in, in the radio days, my, my manager always used to say, smile when you talk because they can hear a smile. I know, and, right? And, and you feel just like, hey, come on down <laughs> to this car. But I mean, it is. They, they can hear the smile in your voice. Yeah, yeah. The same thing when you're having fun, when you have a passion for what you do, people can, can feel that and they're going to be more likely to react. So have fun in what you do. Find your passion and try to make that what you do, and it's going to be more successful. Yeah, I think if you do that authentically, yeah. uh, then then there, that's a winning solution. Yeah, I, I was listening to this podcast of this guy, and he was talking about uh, the fakeness of like <laughs> Instagram and stuff. People, you, people yeah. see through that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So be you. I make fun have of fun. <laughs> I know. Right? Hey, well, thanks a lot for listening to the Creative Catalyst podcast. Uh, this was episode two with. Uh, the social media Jedi, Jared <laughs> Lyman. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.